Pushkin. Small business owners, this one's for you. Chase for Business and iHeart bring you a new podcast series called The Unshakables. This one-of-a-kind series will shine the spotlight on small business owners like you, who faced a do-or-die moment that ultimately made their business what it is today. Learn more at chase.com slash business slash podcast. Chase, make more of what's yours. Chase mobile app is available for select mobile devices. Message and data rates may apply. J.P. Morgan Chase Bank, N.A. Member, FDIC. Copyright 2024, J.P. Morgan, Chase & Co. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is Accelerating Innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. A couple of weeks before Christmas, 1799, George Washington the first and perhaps the greatest president of the United States, was enjoying retirement at his country estate, Mount Vernon. He'd ridden around his farms and come home late, cold and in wet clothes. But guests had come for dinner and he hurried to entertain them without changing into something dry. The next day, he had a sore throat and a chesty cough. The day after that, his throat was so badly inflamed that he had trouble breathing his family decided to take a fateful step. They summoned a doctor. I'm Tim Harford, and you're listening to Cautionary Tales. is one of our cautionary conversations and today I'm uh, well I'm outnumbered my guests are Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds the hosts of the hugely popular comedy history podcast The Dollop hello gentlemen how are you hello hello two americans no less yeah so it's it's going to be what this is going to be <laughs> bad <laughs> uh, it's going to be it's going to be different it's going to be different for cautionary tales listeners yeah. anyway so we yeah. we are going to be talking about a couple of stories that you covered on The Dollop. And one of those is the death of George Washington. And we'll talk about whatever else comes up. Um, so thanks for joining me. And um, it's easy to see why The Dollop is such a successful format, because what could be more hilarious than the painful and pointless death of the father of the nation? I agreed. It, uh, you'd be shocked at... I think I think this all the time about how I'll like take a step back and be like we're laughing about a murder <laughs> like on our show and I'll just be like for the for 45 minutes straight we've just been making jokes but I'm like two people are dead. Yeah. 
but there are just so many absurd moments, and this one among them, nobody knows how he died. We're not taught it, and it really is the most American thing of all that we... Like, why wouldn't you be taught this? <laughs> we killed him. Like, if you were teaching this in class, I would not be, like, leaving school to go smoke cigarettes. I'd be like, I'll do it at lunch. I want to <laughs> yes. see how this ends. This is exciting. I mean, it, it is extraordinary. I was listening to the episode, episode 101, and... Uh, I was just crying with laughter. I should have been crying because a great man is dying needlessly. <laughs> but I was just crying because it, yeah. it was very funny. It was, so we should probably run through what happens when the doctors show up. So I think it's, it's doc, doctors crack. <laughs> yeah, Dr. Dick, Dr. Brown, Dr. Crack. I mean... It's not great. <laughs> I mean, it's just... Again, I, there are many times where I'm like, this is low-hanging fruit, don't do it. But it's like, come on. this is. I, th I feel like Dave made those up. I feel like if we look back, that's not the names of them. Of course, the first thing they do is they start taking blood from him. Like, quite a lot of blood, right? Yeah, every mm -hmm. guy that came in, every doctor that came in, his first thing was, well, we got to get blood out of this guy. And so each one yeah. drained over a pint. I was trying to figure out, did they... Did they talk to each other about that? Or is that they all had to have their fingerprints on it? Yeah, I don't think they were talking to each other. I think they were just like, okay, well, now I'm here. These other guys aren't doing a good job. I'm going to take care of this. And then they drain his blood. Which is also amazing to be like that three independent opinions of doctors when he was dying was we should get blood out of him. Like if your engine won't turn over and the mechanic's like, let's get the oil out. So in Washington's lifetime, before he dies... There is, um, there's a, I think, a Dutch doctor or maybe a Belgian doctor, a Jan Baptist van Helmont. I think it's kind of a bet with another doctor. He basically says, look, you will take 100 people with the plague or whatever it is, and you treat them your way, and I'll take another 100 people with the plague, and I'll treat them my way, and we'll see, we'll see who has the most funerals, which is like, it's a pretty simple idea, but it turns out it doesn't catch on. He never does it. None of these guys do it. Otherwise, they would have figured out that may be draining, I, mean, I think it's half of his blood in the end, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, not it's so. most of Washington's blood. Yeah, I also like that bet. I think that's fun for people to be like, why are, you, why are you cutting his throat? Like, I'm trying to win a bet. I'm really, I'm behind, so I need to swing for the fences a little bit. But yeah, simple idea, didn't catch on. It sounds, it sounds like he just had a really bad sore throat. <laughs> he, he, yeah. he, he yeah, went I out in the rain and it was bad. cold and he... Yeah, you get you yeah. get a sore throat. Like well, he didn't take I mean, care of my himself. Aunt, my aunt had COVID, so we just drained her. <laughs> she didn't make it. Later, this other guy comes along and says, "Oh, you idiots! He was too old. If he'd been, <laughs> if he'd been thirty, then yeah, sure, take six pints of blood, but <laughs> but not the old guy. No, <laughs> that was your mistake. Yeah. Well, oops. What are we gonna do? Well, that's the end of him. He had a good run. Well, then there's the Beatle guy, too, right? There's... Tell me about the Beatle guy. Yeah, we're not talking about Brian Epstein. Go ahead, Dave. Um, a guy came in, I think it was the third doctor, and he was like, you know what he needs is uh, he needs a nice thick bed of Beatles on his neck. <laughs> and, <Yeah>. so... <laughs> and, then he, and then he poops his pants. <laughs> so he's got no blood, a beard of Beatles, and he's pooping his pants, and everyone's like, I think he's going to make it. We should probably drain a little more blood. Just to be safe. It's, it's so undignified. I think yeah, I think they took blood four times, right? I think it was four. And they were taking, like, the third time was, like, 32 ounces. Like, they were really taking a lot of blood out of this guy. Oh, I'm sure, like, 
Yeah, that, like pee's coming out, and they're like, why? I think he's out of blood. Somebody proposed a tracheotomy, which it sounds like that might actually have worked. Like if the guy can't breathe. Yeah, that would, be, that would yeah. work. It's certainly the only procedure that made it to today. Yeah. <laughs> so there's maybe something to it. Yeah, true. So uh, I was looking into this, these strange kind of lotions and, and vegetable compounds and so on that women used to take in the 19th and early 20th centuries for, for period pains and premenstrual stress and all of this kind of stuff. And the doctors used to think that these things were completely ridiculous. And one of the things that the marketers of these compounds said was basically, at least we won't kill you. The doctors will kill you and we won't kill you. So the weird thing is they, they did notice that the patients kept dying. And this was a selling point yeah. for, for the alternative therapies. Like, non-fatal. <laughs> That's all I need. I just need to know it won't kill me and I'll take it. That's the only thing I worry yeah. about. <laughs> well, it was also... It, one thing we've, we've talked... We have a lot of fun with is the simplicity of becoming a doctor was also... Yeah. You know, it was like you just needed to have a sign. And then you're like, open for business. You know, like a barber. But even they needed a license. You could just simply just say you were a doctor and then you could just get blood out of George Washington. You needed a license to be a barber but not to be a doctor? Yeah. Like you manifested in the moment, like, I'm a doctor. <laughs> and that was that. <laughs> and then even when they made it, when they made licenses, they would set up a medical school and you'd go to the medical school and they'd just go, okay, you're a doctor. Like there was no, yeah. no one was watching the medical school. So yeah. it was just for ages. It was just, you just said it and... That's what you were. And presumably they needed to teach people how to drain a couple of pints of blood, though. Yeah. Yeah, that was probably like one of the things. They're like, look, in case of an emergency, drain the blood. Get the blood. The blood is something the body doesn't want when <laughs> sick. I mean, that was for a long time. That was very common. And each doctor had his own bloodletting device that he would bring with him to see a patient. I think they favoured something called the heroic style of medicine. And I think part of the problem was that doctors charged you a lot of money. So the idea is if you're going to show up and you're going to charge somebody a lot of money, you better uh, do something, you know, go big or yeah. go home, right? Don't just, don't just give yeah. me a little bit of medicine or an aspirin or take my temperature and say, call me in the morning. Yeah. You've got to do something big. Yeah, and yeah, if, bed if, rest was not, you didn't pay for bed rest. You're like, bullshit. Right, and if, if the doctor comes to digs blood, you're like, oh, I feel different. I feel a little woozy. <laughs> <laughs> Something's <laughs> happening. That was part of the attraction of the of the vegetable compound as well, because they had booze in. Well, some of them had opium, some had booze, some had chili, some had all of them. Uh-huh. And so, you know, if it's if it's basically as strong as sherry, you know, you will feel different, and maybe different is better. And certainly it's better than having losing a pint of blood. Yeah, but he could have done himself a lot of favors by changing his clothes, obviously. <laughs> but had they just simply let him be, he had a much higher chance of survival. Yeah. But he was dead two days after, you know, going out and getting his clothes wet and then having dinner in wet yeah. clothes. I mean, that's, you know, that's pretty quick to die of a cold, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, let's, let's just flat out say he didn't die of a cold. <laughs> <laughs> he died Whoa. because he got a cold. What do you think got him? And then what do you a, think got him, Dave? And then a bunch of guys came in and took the stuff that was supposed to be inside of his body out of his body. And then that, well. that pretty much killed him. Yeah, you know you're a bad doctor when you're the beetle beard guy <laughs> and you history smiles upon you greatest. Uh, and remember, these are the guys treating Washington, so these are the top doctors. The, the best of the best, <laughs> the best of the best. These guys are. 
there was one doctor they did t- they did turn away right like the one guy who had, oh, did yeah. have, actually have an idea that and they went oh no that, you've, you've gone too far the guy who thought maybe we'll resurrect him yeah um that was yeah. a thing there's a, <laughs> a guy who thought maybe we could do george washington thriller yeah of course um, of course there's there's three guys that kill him and then there's a, there's a guy who came in and was like let's let's do let's have a do-over Let's bring him back. Yeah. Yeah, you get a little fire in that guy. He'll come right back. And his first words are going to be, what were you doing? <laughs> that was crazy when those guys got rid of all my blood. I couldn't believe the guy who wanted to bring him back from the dead actually made more sense than the, than the, the first three. Because he's like, well, add some blood. We've got, we've got a lamb. Add some lamb's blood. Pump up his lungs, you know, give him the kiss of life, warm him up. And you yeah. listening to it, you go, yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah they're, they're right. Closer, <laughs> warmer. And they're, warmer. Like, they're like, get out of here, you loon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I wonder what they did with his blood, because it would have been really helpful if, like, the blood was nearby. But if that guy's pitching lamb blood, it mu- they must have just been like, all right, pour that in the garden. Uh, I'm, I imagine it, at, that, at that time, it just went on the floor, I would think. <laughs> And just don't, oh, just God. tell me they didn't cook with it. That's all I want to know. <laughs> oh. And then they made a blood How's pudding. everyone liking the ravioli? <laughs> We're really channeling the spirit of the dollop here. I, I, I've got no idea what cautionary tales listeners are, are. are making of all this, but yeah. the, the simple imposition of modern standards yeah. on, the, on the 1700s is just very funny. We have learned so much over that time that, I mean, the thoughts in their head are just absolutely bananas so from our perspective it's just everything they do is completely insane like you cannot believe what's happening most of what they think is just crazy and wrong but then we do that with things that happen today too i mean we we always are going like you know, this is, we're living in a dollop with this or that. Yeah, look, but, we had so, a president who told is, people to drink bleach when they got COVID. Yeah. So that's uh, not Pardon a, me, inject it. Inject, uh, pardon sorry, me, sir, sorry, inject it. Sorry. Yeah, first of all, <laughs> I will not have you mock the greatest president since George okay, Washington. Yes, who, mind you, should go the same way, in my opinion. <laughs> and not a lot of people know if you drain Trump, nacho cheese comes out of his veins. <laughs> I was going to ask, what was the, the moment in history when people stopped being completely ridiculous? But, I, yeah. It hasn't stopped. We can't wait to find it. <laughs> can't wait to find it. Won't be in our lifetimes. Cautionary Tales is going to be back in a moment. And when we get back, we will answer the question, if you get run over and killed by a car, can the driver sue you? As a loyal listener to Cautionary Tales, you probably consider yourself pretty smart, and you are. But how smart is your wallet? When you're looking to upgrade your wallet, it's time to turn to NerdWallet. Their expert team of nerds has the financial smarts to help you find the right financial products for you. Before NerdWallet, you might have paid for vacations with whatever was in your wallet. But you could have been missing out on miles you didn't even know you were leaving on the table. Now you can get a new card with more miles and more upgrades. What could future you do with more travel rewards? A hotel upgrade? Lounge access? Wherever you go next, make it happen with a smarter travel credit card. Don't wait to make smart financial decisions. 
Compare and find smarter credit cards, savings accounts, and more today at nerdwallet.com. NerdWallet, finance smarter. As with all cards, credit is subject to lender approval and terms apply. The most innovative companies are going further with T-Mobile for Business. The PGA of America is helping lower scores and elevate fan experiences with AI coaching tools and 5G-connected cameras. AAA is getting more drivers back on the road fast with location telematics. And the Las Vegas Grand Prix is powering race day operations with 5G connectivity, giving fans an experience at the speed they deserve. This is accelerating innovation with T-Mobile for Business. Take your business further at tmobile.com slash now. This episode is brought to you by Terminix. Terminix may not be able to rewrite history or take on society's problems, but they can help you solve one of the peskiest problems at home. Pests. You know, the ants in your kitchen, the roaches under your sink, even the termites in the walls. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. No matter what type of pest it is, they can Terminix it fast with personalised pest care that puts you in control. Their expertly trained technicians know your local pests the best. So even though they don't know in-depth world history, you can bet they know how to make your pest problem history. And with customised plans tailored to your specific situation, you get everything you need to not just get pests out, but keep them out for good. Between their speedy service, caring technicians and over 95 years of experience, it's no mystery why they're trusted by homes and businesses everywhere. So if you have a pest problem, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com to book online today. We're back. I'm talking to the creators of The Dollop, namely the historo-comedians Dave Anthony and Gareth Reynolds. We've talked about Dollop 101, which is an episode, not a freshman course. Now let's talk about Dollop 193, which is all about what happened when people had the temerity to use the streets for um, for driving cars, which was kind of a radical move, right? The idea that oh, these streets we could just drive cars on them. This was, I mean, it was a it was a ballsy move at first. The streets were for uh, horses and carriages, and mostly hanging out, and for kids and to pigs. play. <laughs> kids, yeah, pigs, yeah, and for kids to play in. You know, that was what streets were for. So all of a sudden, there's things on them, and people are like, "No, that's not what goes here." Like in New York, you couldn't have the kids play in Central Park, right? Because mm-hmm. Central Park is Class. for you know is for people of quality. You can't have the neighborhood kids coming and playing in the park. So they play on the street. Obviously, they play on the street. That's where that's what you do with kids. I mean, the early cars it didn't really matter because they do about four miles an hour. But then along comes the Model T, and that does forty five, and and that's um, that's going to sting if it just plows through your game of baseball or whatever. Yeah, that's not great. Um, th- this episode, I think more than most really did blow my mind because you, you are just, when you live in the world today, you just automatically go, yeah, well you walk here and you, you know, you wait for the car and all that. And, but it would be like, if we were to just like have to incorporate UFOs into our society, there would be a tremendous amount of growing pains. Um, (laughs) And and killing, and that's what there was. I mean, it is it is chaos. Yeah, two thirds of the deaths in in major cities would would just in New York. Car, yeah. Cars just yeah. running over kids. Yeah, and and for like it was like fifteen years, no one was like slow down. It just <laughs> it just went like you just drove as fast as you could wherever you could. 
You tur- you, your car- cars rolled over all the time. It was called turtling. Yeah, I mean, people just didn't, they didn't know what to do about cars. They didn't know how to drive cars. I, I, I've got this driver training bulletin, sportsmanlike driving, which is a great title for like how to drive sportsmanlike driving, yeah. which aims to explain yeah. to drivers why if they, if they go around a corner really fast, they're going to flip and that may, would, may not be a good idea. And they just didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I think we even get into it in the episode of like, well, how did they not know that too fast was and turning like they had other things like but they couldn't process that connection. Surely they'd seen a carriage overturn or or other things flip or even a person. But to them, they were like, no, no, that should be fine. But you can't you really can't put yourself in their headspace before turning was something you had to really pay attention yeah, and i guess you you don't have you don't have this whole infrastructure like driving licenses and driving instructors and you just bought a car and you're rich because you, you must yeah. be because you've yeah. got a car and you go for it you find out the hard way or more likely just yeah. like 11 street urchins find out the hard way whereas you just drive through yeah yeah, that's right. You go home at the end of your drive, and you just you hose off the children's blood and put your car in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> it always comes down to blood, Tim. It's all about blood with our show. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's quite a lot of that in cautionary tales as well. I have to say, but this turn though, this moment where society is trying to wrestle with this, and it's partly just an argument over, well who deserves to be in the streets? Like, who do the streets belong to? And whose fault is it if a car drives into a, a kid or, or into a, any pedestrian? For a while, it's obviously the driver's fault. And then there's this kind of amazing piece of public relations jujitsu that the auto lobby managed to a- achieve and, and managed to make it seem like, oh, no, no, it's actually, it's, you get hit by a car, that's your fault. The car's not to blame. Yeah. Yeah, well, there's no, it turns out, it turns out there's no profit in having children play in the street. But there is profit in selling cars and tires and gas. And so they did it really fast. They, like, th- this yeah, battle. Like a year. I mean, this battle was going on for years. Years. I mean, like 20 years or something or more. I can't remember exactly how many, but it's like 20 years of kids getting killed and people getting killed in the streets and they're having parades of like, you know, women with a, a little star on their shirt walking on the street that signified their child had died, and and they're, they're in the street, in the street, mind <laughs> Yes, and they're 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 towing cars that have been in car accidents, uh, like so. They're, they're just showing all this stuff. It's going on for years. This publicity, and then the car companies and the tire companies, gas companies get together, and they immediately just flip the narrative. And I believe I'm correct. The biggest thing that flipped it was jaywalking they came up with the term jaywalking because jay meant like you country bumpkin you you dumb hick and so they started calling people who walked in the street jaywalkers and it was highly offensive and they started basically shaming people who were in the street it's an incredible move so it's like only somebody who'd never seen a car before would only somebody yeah. from, from a really rural area, only used to horses, only an idiot like that would get themselves killed by a car. And if you get killed by a car, you should just be embarrassed. <laughs> yeah, all those, all those little kitty bumpkins. Just, <laughs> this, five-year-old, this five-year-old hayseed 
<laughs> it's, it's, yeah. it is amazing. It is amazing. Also, there's that phase where Jay Walkers, then the, then the people just went with like Jay Drivers, and they were trying to call people Jay Drivers for a while, and that stick. was just sort of like... Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't as good, you know. People were like, Dad, come on, come up with something better. They're like, J driver, woo, come on, everybody, he's a J driver. Get out of here. My family's been killed. To me, this is the the greatest example of of all, any dollop we've done about how stubborn we are. Kids getting mowed down for twenty years in the street. Like after two years, you should have been like, okay, let's just get off the street. It's not yeah. working. But we need to do something about they the demanded. kids dying thing. But no, <laughs> yeah, yeah. They just demanded to be on the street, and you, and you know, at some point, you go, "This is a we're losing this battle because they're those are cars and we're people, so we should get off the street." But they just hung in there for years, getting killed. I was really struck by a recent episode of of the podcast Ninety Nine Percent Invisible about traffic in Japan. You're not allowed to drive your children to school, and oh. I mean, I think this maybe just is in Tokyo, but you can't drive your children to school. And it's like, well, why can't you drive your children to school? And the answer is, well, because lots of children are walking to school. And if you drive your children to school, that's a hazard. And it's just a, mm -hmm. oh, yeah, that makes sense. But it's just a totally different way of looking at things. When you, when you look back at the United States in the early 1900s, you realize, oh, it could have gone this way, but it didn't. Yeah. I mean, we built our entire society around cars, essentially, starting at that point, which I don't know how many other countries have done but to the extent that we have the urban sprawl and the highway system and all that. So we definitely did that. The other thing that I think goes to your point of how much things could have gone differently is Ford was building electric cars. Yeah. But he was in business with Edison. Edison was kind of bad at inventions and he <laughs> was cranking out really crappy batteries. So all the batteries he sent to Ford were terrible and didn't work. And so Ford, instead of trying to find new battery uh, uh, companies, he was, he was in business with Edison. He said, okay, we won't do the electric cars. And, and was this because all batteries were, were bad then or it was specifically Edison's no, batteries were bad? Specifically Edison's batteries were bad. And and so that's why he called them batteries. <laughs> <laughs> the fact that there could have been electric cars, well, there, that there were electric cars 120 years ago, but and that, that that maybe that whole thing could have taken a different turn is is I think mind blowing. Yeah. Uh, one of our most popular episodes of Cautionary Tales was called "The False Dawn of the Electric Car," and it was about this guy called. Clive Sinclair, who was a British, very successful inventor, slightly odd guy, having made a load of money in calculators and then a load of money in personal computers in the 1980s. He then lost most of his money trying to make this electric car. But the, the, his vision for the electric car is, oh, I won't start with a car. I'll start with something smaller. So he made this thing that was kind of like, it was like riding around in a giant white stiletto. Uh, that's the kind of vibe it had. And it, and it did about 15 I, I like to show up to parties like that. He later became a professional poker player and married a stripper. So, I mean, or was it a pole dancer, not a stripper? I don't want to get it wrong. But he was a, you know, he was an interesting yeah. guy. He, he was not a conventional geek. When I looked at this, I couldn't help but think, did he just get the timing wrong? Because Elon Musk tweeted after he died about how much he loved Clive Sinclair's first computer and how, like, Elon Musk had grown up 
using this computer that Clive Sinclair had, had created. And you think, well, Elon Musk is like one of the richest guys on the planet because of his investment in Tesla, the electric car company. Clive Sinclair lost all his money trying to make this electric car. Did he just get the timing wrong or was it, was it something else? Could it, could it have worked if only he'd kind of made something that didn't look like a goofy shoe? I don't know. Well, the, I think the biggest problem for the electric car in Edison's and Ford's time and probably St. Clair's time is the infrastructure of not being able to plug in everywhere and charge your car. That, that's always the biggest thing holding it back. I think if Ford had wanted to, if Ford had gone into the electric car and, and kept going with it, even you know moving away from Edison's batteries, he would have been the guy because of his power and wealth who would have created a system of you know stations to plug in your car. Because that, that's what Musk did immediately. He knew immediately, well, there needs to be infrastructure out there to plug in your car. That always seemed to me to be the big thing holding it back. And you and you still think Edison was was particularly bad at inventions? I mean, you know, if you if you put Tesla against Edison, yeah, Edison was a real bad dude. He was yeah, he was more about you know crushing other people and and you know taking what they had than anything else. He'd have thrived today. Send your Tesla Edison fanboy <laughs> mail to to David Garrett. <laughs> No, no, just Dave. I didn't say anything. <laughs> Guys, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure having you be part of Cautionary Tales. Thank you so much. Uh, where, where can people find The Dollop? As if they haven't already found The Dollop. Yeah, you can listen to The Dollop. We're on All Things Comedy uh, Network or really, like we always say, wherever you listen to podcasts. So in The Dollop feed, we have started a new podcast, which you were on, called The Pastimes, uh, which is similar to The Dollop in which we, I pick a newspaper and we just read through it with a guest. Um, from any time yeah. from like the 1600s up to now. Um, so we're, we also Equally have Equally insane. Old newspapers are very Material weird. and subject yeah. matter. I discovered. It's super weird every time somehow. Yeah, they're very weird. <laughs> Gareth, Dave, thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Tim. A pleasure. And uh, Viva George Washington. <laughs> <laughs> if only. If only. Cautionary Tales is written by me, Tim Harford, with Andrew Wright. It's produced by Alice Fines, with support from Marilyn Rust. The sound design and original music is the work of Pascal Wise. Sarah Nix edited the scripts. It features the voice talents of Ben Crow, Melanie Guttridge, Stella Harford, Gemma Saunders and Rufus Wright. The show also wouldn't have been possible without the work of Jacob Weisberg, Ryan Dilley, Greta Cohn, Vital Mollard... John Schnars, Eric Sandler, Carrie Brody, and Christina Sullivan. Cautionary Tales is a production of Pushkin Industries. It's recorded at Wardour Studios in London by Tom Berry. If you like the show, please remember to share, rate, and review. Tell your friends. And if you want to hear the show ad-free, sign up for Pushkin Plus on the show page in Apple Podcasts or at pushkin.fm plus.
Dealing with pests can be a pain. But relax, Terminix can help, because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it, Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X dot com. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, you know what this playground could use? A wine country, huh? A redwood forest would be cool. Ski slopes! Wait! Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.